Okay, we are joined here today with Hannah Thompson, who recently completed her thesis on the implications of island colonization on the plant species, Abronia umbellata. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you for having me. So, do you think you could just give us a quick overview of what your research was? Yeah, so like you said, I was studying the plant species Abronia umbellata. Its common name is pink sand verbena. Uh, it's a Pacific coastal dune species, so it grows on sand dunes um, along the west coast of North America. Uh, so it grows from mid-Oregon down into Baja, California. Um, but it's also present on some of the California Channel Islands, which are found off the coast of Southern California. So my research was uh, interested in looking at how this island colonization has impacted this species. Um, so I looked at mating system and uh, population genetics. Cool, that's super cool. So um, does this research have any applications beyond the specific plant that you were studying? Yeah, kind of. So we, we kind of wanted to get a better idea of how island colonization affects species in general. Um, islands are often the focus of a lot of conservation studies um, because there's often a lot of endemic species on islands, so species that are only found on those islands and nowhere else. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so they're often the focus of a lot of conservation studies. And there's also uh, a theory that island species have lower genetic diversity, which can make them more at risk um, and more prone to extinction. Um, so for that reason, a lot of conservation efforts are focused on islands. So we kind of wanted to take a target species and see if, uh, if these theories about uh, diversity and being more at risk are, are true. Cool. So just to clarify, um, why are islands lacking diversity versus, you know, mainland? Mm -hmm. um, again, there's a few different theories, um, but one of the main ones is due to founder effect. Um, so if you think of uh, so if you think of genetic diversity, so in your genome, it's made up of genes, right? Different genes that control different things. Um, but different individuals of the same species can have different versions of that gene that do the same thing. Mm. They can be slightly different due to mutations. Um, and having more mutations increases a population's genetic diversity, and it can make it easier for them to respond to changes in their environment. Because they have sort of a bigger arsenal of ways that they can deal with different things in their environment. Right. Um, so if you think of like a population on the mainland, if you think of their genetic diversity as like a bowl of marbles <laughs> of like different colors, okay. say there's like eight different colors, so eight different versions of a gene, if you take three marbles out and put them on an island, you're going to have fewer colors, right? So mm. the, those populations, even if they grow and become the same size as the one on the mainland, they're going to have less colors. <laughs> right, so they're like isolated kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and assuming that they're not able to mate with the ones on the mainland, because they're separated by a lot of water, um, then they're only ever going to have those two colors or whatever, and they'll be less able to deal with maybe disturbances in their environment. Right. Interesting. Okay. How is it colonized? Like, what is it that is colonizing the islands? Are you talking about human colonization? It can be. It depends on the species. Uh, Furbonia umbellata, um, so they, they put their seeds in these structures called anthocarps, so basically the way the, the flower looks, it has its stem and then there's a head and there's a bunch of flowers, usually like 10 to 15 flowers. Each flower will make an anthocarp, which is just a little structure, and inside that structure there's a seed. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so based on, or in my lab actually they did a previous study and they looked to see if these structures could float in salt water. And they can for like months. <laughs> oh, so, so they could maybe leave yeah. the island. So what okay. we think is probably that um, seeds from the mainland got into the water and were carried to, down to the islands. Right, okay, mm -hmm. so then that would count as its colonization. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. But because of that, that's one reason why Abronia umbellata could, could have been prone to founder effect, because if you have one seed, that's one individual colonizing that island. Right, 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so how were you measuring uh, the genetic diversity of these plant species? So I took leaf tissue um, and we extracted DNA. Um, and then we had nine genes that we sequenced using Sanger sequencing. Um, and then so we were just looking. So we had about five individuals per population. We had a bunch of different mainland populations and then populations on the islands. We had about five individuals for population, per populations, so we could look at each gene and see differences between individuals of the same population, see if they had different versions of those genes uh, to sort of get an idea of their genetic diversity. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you sound pretty passionate about this topic, <laughs> which is fair. It's very interesting. But what specifically makes you passionate about this area of study? Yeah, so... Um, I've always been like interested in nature, I've always loved nature, and being outside, I was camping a lot as a kid, I've always loved animals, um, so for me I knew I always wanted to go into biology, like that was never really a question. Mm. Um, and then as I got older and started learning more about environmental issues, uh, like endangered species and climate change, right. um, I wanted to get into the environmental side of it too, I knew I wanted to protect um, nature and life on earth. Um, so I was always sort of interested in animals. I didn't really think about plants that much right. <laughs> until I met the prof that I did this, this thesis with and sort of started learning more about plants. Um, and they're actually really fascinating, really cool to study um, because they're, they're sessile, they can only stay in one place. So they have to have sort of a wide range of um, abilities to deal with changes in, in their environment because mm -hmm. if, if their environment isn't favorable, they can't just like get up and leave. Right. <laughs> so built into their, their genome is all these different ways of dealing with basically every environment on earth you can find plants. Wow. Um, they're also really cool and a little easier to study than animals in, in certain ways because you can have like a lot of replicates. You can plant a whole bunch of plants and have them in one greenhouse. You can have hundreds of plants, whereas that's a lot harder to do with animals. Right. <laughs> you can't just shove them all in a cage. Um, so they're really cool to, to study for that reason. And um, yeah, so that was kind of how I got into it. And as I started getting into more into uh, genetics, I just found, found that really interesting and, and the aspect of um, conservation genetics, where looking at populations that are maybe losing genetic diversity mm. and unable to respond to changes in their environment, and thought that was all very cool. And is that probably made worse by climate change, too? Yeah, for sure. So, um, as plants, or most species in general, um, as the globe warms, um, species are getting pushed north. Um, so, in order for them to, to adapt, they're going to have to either, either adapt where they are, or they're going to have to be able to shift their range northward. northward. And um, uh, so you can imagine this founder effect could be happening as they're like moving north. Um, right. So they could potentially be losing genetic um, uh, diversity as they move north. Also, this is already happening in Abronia and Balata too. We're seeing population in the southern portion of its range just like disappearing. Like we, went, we went back to populations that were there 10 years ago and couldn't find them. Wow. Which is really concerning. And um, Just 10 years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And of course... Um, in Southern California and Baja, Mexico, they've been going through a big drought. So maybe this was just a bad year or bad 10 years. <laughs> maybe they'll bounce back um, or maybe not. Right. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell. But based on past genetic studies, we know that there was a lot of unique var genetic variation in these Southern populations that could be lost. And oh, wow. um, so that is not great for the species as a whole. <laughs> wow. So like almost an extinction of certain variations. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And once they're gone, it's There's, very hard to get back unless mm. that specific mutation happens again, the chances right. of which are very, very unlikely. Because it's kind of, is it a function of evolution, sort of? Yeah. So yeah. then that would take a really long time. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, that's so sad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the tragedy of Abronia. Yes. 
Um, so were you, in the end, able to concretely determine how colonization affected Abronia ambulata, and uh, is this research ongoing? Yeah, so we had an- we came up with answers, okay. <laughs> um, as a lot of things in nature, um, or in bio- the study of biology, nature doesn't really fit into a box all that great. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Abronia ambulata, anyway, genetic diversity on the islands wasn't much lower than on the mainland, which was interesting. Um, maybe, maybe just, it was just the genes we were looking at. We only looked at nine in the whole genome. So maybe mm-hmm. there's a loss of genetic diversity in other genes. We don't really know. Um, as far as, we also looked at genetic differentiation. So seeing if there's different versions of those genes on the island than on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, so for two of the islands we looked at, they were quite similar to the mainland, but one island was really differentiated, which was really interesting. Really? Um, and that island was also the smallest and furthest away, so it mm-hmm. makes sense that it could be the most isolated. Uh, the two that were similar to the mainland are closer to the mainland and bigger. They also have more human uh, traffic, okay. so it's possible that there could be some mixing with populations on the right. mainland. But yeah, San Nicolas, which was the smallest and most isolated, is also quite genetically differentiated, which was really cool. Um, but Abronia ambulata grows on six of the Channel Islands, and we were only able to look at three. So we can't really speak for all of them as a whole. Right. So we are going to try and get um, samples from the other islands to see if we can kind of finish that. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, that was super, super interesting. I learned quite a bit about <laughs> plants and genetic uh, variation. And yeah, that's super cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. Thanks for having me.